friends and welcome back to He Makes the Ball Talk Gibberish. Apparently that was a good introduction last week, so uh, you know I should stick with it, apparently, so uh, I'm going to. Um, so got a lot to go through this week. Um, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of controversy with uh, VAR, um, you know, and, and penalties and everything like that. And uh, yeah, so we've got a lot to go through and there's been some surprises this week, you know, Arsenal won. So I'm joking, I'm joking. But yeah, we've got, we've got a bit to go through. But it shouldn't be too long an episode. I don't think uh, it's going to be that long because we've only got Premier League stuff to go through. Uh, but we're also going to touch on Guardiola's comments about the crowds and things like that, which I thought was nonsense. But let's uh, let's get into it anyway. Uh, so we'll just go through the games in order like we always have done and just talk a bit about the games and uh, you know and, and anything that's, that's cropped up. So... First game, Friday night football, you know, uh, Newcastle versus Leeds. Huge game, isn't it? You know, that's a good one, isn't it? That's what everyone wants to watch. So, Newcastle versus Leeds, like, it, it finished one all. And, um, yeah, Newcastle, neither of these teams will look good, like, this, this season, you know. And, obviously, it's expected from Newcastle, of course, because of the summer they had, because of the ownership, because of the manager as well. You know, they've got a lot of problems at that club. And, you know, there's been no investment Steve Bruce is a bit of a dinosaur when it comes to his methods. Um, you know, I, I read I read a piece and, he, and they were basically just saying that as long as Bruce's philosophy and his mentality is, as long as there are three teams worse than us, then it's fine. Uh, so he doesn't really care about, you know, developing young players or anything like that. So, yeah, a bit, and I can understand why Newcastle fans are pretty annoyed by the situation because at the end of the day, you watch the football that he serves up and that Newcastle serve up and yeah it's it, it is apparent that you know yeah he's like as long as as long as there's three teams worse than us like you know they've got some exciting I mean Alan St Maximum who, he's very I don't know if I'm pronouncing that rightly but he's very good he was very uh, exciting against Leeds and he obviously got his goal um, so yeah like you know they've got some bright sparks but not enough I don't think and I've we've said you know before that they're probably going to go down and I stick, I stand by that, you know, at the end of the day, the owner doesn't care, the manager, you know, doesn't really, I mean, look, obviously, I, I quite like Steve Bruce, I, you know, I think he's, I think he's alright, but he's not a good manager, and, you know, if you want to build something at new, somewhere, somewhere like Newcastle, which is a massive club, huge fan base, amazing stadium, you've, you've got to have a more sort of, well, a younger, more progressive manager who, who like, you know, wants to try new things, and try and get the club a little bit higher, finishing higher up the pitch and maybe playing a little bit more better, uh, more attractive football. Now, obviously, those things take time, um, you know, and, and, you know, it's difficult. And obviously, it's money as well. And obviously, Mike Ashley, the owner, does not want to invest any money. He wanted to sell the club to the Saudi Arabian royal family uh, over the summer, which was blocked by the Premier League. So there's a lot of resentment there as well from the fans, because obviously the fans would welcome that kind of move. Of course they would, because then it would mean that Newcastle would be competing overnight with City and United and Liverpool and Chelsea. And it's just like, you know, they, they'd be right amongst the top four. Like, you know, obviously you'd need a, you'd need a summer, a transfer window, but you know, if, if Newcastle were owned by the Saudis, then could you imagine, like, you know, someone like Conte, coming to Newcastle and then also them buying, like, you know, Mbappe, <laughs> you know, uh, and just, like, ridiculous players like that. It would be it'd be crazy, but it would be doable with that type, type of money. 
but yeah, like and obviously you know that that's the potential. You know that's what people dream like. That's what Newcastle fans were dreaming of over the summer when they were linked to the uh, to this deal, and uh, you know it was blocked by the Premier League. Uh, and I think quite rightly, I got to be honest. Like you know, obviously we've spoken ab- about this issue of state sponsored clubs on this chat before. You know, and uh, you know what they're doing at City and PSG is wrong. Okay, it is like that is my opinion. It is completely wrong. You know, clubs should not be uh, bought by spot by states for the sole purpose of sports washing. Um, and that's what those two clubs are. They are tools of that. And all the players who play for them are tools of that. And the managers are as well. And the fans. Because they, you know, they support it. When you hear Abu Dhabi, you don't hear about, you know, the negative aspects of the regime. You hear about City. You hear about Pep Guardiola. And so it's, uh, you know, it works. And that's why they do it. So... You know, anyway, you know, we've gone down that route many times, so this is about football, isn't it? Let's be <laughs> let's talk about that, though. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, Newcastle just like it's a shame, it really is, because obviously, Newcastle fans had you know, if the Premier League hadn't blocked that, then they'd be flying high, playing amazing football, potentially, you know, because it's all about the potential, isn't it? And now they're what 19th, 18th, 19th, haven't won yet, and you know, they're, they're, they're looking lost, like really lost. Um, yeah, so I, I think they're going to go down, uh, you know, and and unless something happens, you know, very quickly, like, you know, if my, if Bruce was to get sacked, but it would it would mean that the club, before anything like that happens, the club has to be sold because Mike Ashley is simply not going to put any money into it. So, you know, anyway. Uh, let's So, yeah, Leeds, you know, let's talk about Leeds because actually they... They scare me. I'm worried for Leeds because, you know, Leeds were like my favourite team last year. Like, I mean, they were so good to watch. I mean, they're everyone's favourite, aren't they? Let's be honest. Like, they were so good and just so exciting to watch. Like, you wouldn't know what you'd get from them one week to the next. You know, one week they'd batter someone like 4-0 and then all of a sudden they'd lose like 6-2. And it's just, you know, it was really amazing to watch because the football was so quick and so... It was just really good. Like to, to, it was just exciting, you know. And that's kind of what you want to. Uh, that's what you want to feel when you're watching football. I mean, when all said and done, it is about entertaining people, you know. And Leeds do that. They well, they certainly did it last season, uh, and they did it for the whole country, you know, because they were. I don't know if the lockdown had something to do with it, you know, and like everyone was kind of like, oh yeah, we need this will be. You know, because there were no crowds last year, maybe people were kind of like, oh, yeah, let's watch every game. And so obviously everyone watched a lot of Leeds and a lot of every team, but Leeds sort of stood out and it was uh, really interesting to watch them. So I'm worried because I don't want to lose that. And, you know, they look, they don't look very good this year. Well, I mean, they've had a rough start. You know, they've played United and, and Liverpool. Um, they've obviously played a couple of games they should have won. Newcastle, they should have beat Newcastle uh, on paper. Uh, Burnley as well. They played and Everton. They had a re- like Everton was a really good game. They drew two all, and it was it was it was a fun watch. I'm not going to say that much about Everton this year, but you know it was uh, it was great. You know and um, but last year especially was was fantastic. You know as I say like you you'd look at the fixtures and be like right Leeds are playing then I'll watch it. Uh, you know I'll make sure I'm kind of free to watch it and you know 
I just don't want to believe that like the Bielsa bubble has burst, you know, like he's, he's, it's, it's just so free flowing. And so good. I mean, yeah, I think they'll be, I, I mean, to be honest with you, it goes back to what we were saying on Newcastle, you know, there are definitely three teams worse than Leeds in this league this season. Trust me. So like, I don't think Leeds will go down, but if Leeds were to keep sort of playing the way and getting the results they are now, and it's not as exciting as last year, and they finish like 14th or something, then Bielsa will leave, and that'll be a real shame, because then he's he's one of the entertainers, and, you know, they'll get a manager who, you know, they could then end up with like a Sam Allardyce type, who's like, right, our ambition is to stay in the league, you know, the difficult third season. It's like, well, <laughs> come on, we went from the, you know, entertaining the whole country to let's let's make sure we, you know, grind out a draw. And I don't want that for Leeds because they are, you know, obviously as a former United fan, a Man United fan, I should really be like, you know, I don't like Leeds. But nah, I want Leeds to stay in the league because the, you know, United versus Leeds games are really good. And, you know, it's, it's, it, they're fun watchers and, you know, Leeds are just a really good team to watch and they've got some really likeable players. I mean, you know, they've got some really good players as well. I mean, Luke Ayling, I've said this before, uh, he's my favourite player like basically like, I reckon he's one of the best players in the league because he plays the way Bielsa wants him to play he's so tidy in uh, such you know in, in such small spaces he, he makes the ball I was going to say makes the ball talk oh my god I'm turning into Jamie Rennap he he makes the right decision you know every time and I, I, I just think he's great I mean look, and unfortunately players like him have come off the boil a little bit this year you know they're not playing as well I don't know why, you know, obviously it, it, a number of factors, you know, maybe teams have worked them out, uh, maybe they're just, I mean, Bielsa's uh, style is so intense and so physical and they got to run like all the time that they're probably, bur- you know, burnt out a little bit. I think it's what happened to uh, Liverpool uh, last season, I think, you know, under Klopp, it is so intense and he's had some of those players for all, his whole tenure and he's been there for about four years now, like, you know, Firmino must be knackered, <laughs> like running for Klopp day in day out, like, and you know it, it must be it must take a toll. So, yeah, I th- I think Leeds are gonna be okay, but you know I am worried, like you know, because obviously if they don't finish as like if they don't play better and if they don't finish higher up the table, yeah, as I say, they could easily finish quite low and then. It, w- it would be a shame for him, for him to leave. I, th- I think he's probably going to leave anyway because he's kind of indicated that he's, you know, not not going to stick around f- forever, you know, obviously. But uh, it would have been nice to have him for another few years, but I think he's probably, especially with the start they've had, I think this could be his last season for, for Bielsa and that will be a shame for the league. It'll be, it'll be a big loss for them. But, you know... Anyway, that's enough about Leeds. Let's uh, talk about the rest of the game. So, uh, Wolves versus Brentford. Uh, Wolves lost two nil at home to Brentford, which was, uh, you know, a good uh, good result and had a fantastic game. Like, a, you know, great result for Brentford. Um, you know, they they looked really good, uh, really positive. That Tony had a fantastic game. Uh, I mean, Wolves have struggled this year as well. Like, you know, we'll talk about Wolves, but first of all, I just want to apologise to Brentford on the, uh, you know, last week. I uh, was like, oh, yeah, they, uh, you know, they'll probably finish about 19th or whatever. Um, you know, because of the excitement wearing off and what have you and may not, may not be able to score any goals, have a lot of quality. If Tony plays like that, 
like even half the time, then then they'll they'll be fine. They'll be absolutely fine. Um, as I say, it's going to be, you know, who that it, it's it's there's a race between like there's a, there's about eight teams you know who could easily go down this year, and obviously we've just spoken about Leeds as well potentially joining that. So maybe nine, you know, you got a whole half of the table who could potentially go down because. Just because they're all kind of level. I mean, look, you've got Norwich, then you've got the rest of the league, and then you've got, you know, the people who are going to finish in Europe. And, like, quite frankly, I wouldn't be surprised to see Palace, you know, in ninth or in or in 19th, you know. It, it is going to be one of those leagues. There's going to be a surprise, uh, and, the, and, you know, Brentford could be it. I mean, I don't think that they're necessarily going to finish really high up the league, but if they were to finish 12th or something, that'd be incredible for them. But look, let's talk about Wolves for a minute. Like, Wolves, season of transition, you know, Nuno got them up, you know, obviously he's at Spurs now, but Nuno, you know, got, the, got them up and then, you know, got them established, like, really established. Like, you kind of look at the league and you think, yeah, Wolves are there and they're there to stay. Um, over the last couple of years... I mean, they 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 got European football. You know what they uh, first first year they 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 came up and you know he did a fantastic job, but they weren't a good watch. Like we know that they didn't score in the first half for a remarkable amount of time. Honestly, like they they did win games, but they had a system, a very defined way of playing, and it was simply get the ball to Jimenez in the box, you know, and he scored the majority of their goals. And when obviously he had that horrific injury where he fractured his skull, they, they, they didn't have him as a focal point and they couldn't, couldn't get the ball up the pitch because he wasn't there. And, and they had some good players. I mean, obviously they had Jota who's gone to Liverpool. They, they have uh, the two midfielders, Neves and Matinho. They're good players. You know, Podence looks really good. Or Podence, you know, however you pronounce it. But, you know, it's just, they're not... And look, they, they look as though they're trying to play a bit better football as well this year. I mean, you know, obviously Traore, a lot of it goes through him. He is exciting, but he's one of them players who, in my opinion, he's exciting. But he's like Ronaldo in his early years. Like, you know, really good to watch, but makes the wrong decision a lot of the time. And I think he does make the wrong decision. I mean... He gets to the byline and puts in a cross, and that it's always and it's overhit a lot of the time, because he doesn't have. I mean, look, Jimenez is still there. You know, Jimenez is playing, of course, but it just doesn't seem like the same player. Um, and quite frankly, you know, how could you when you when you've come back from a potentially life changing injury? You know, it's uh, you must be a little bit apprehensive, especially to head the ball. So. You know, Wolves, they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be there or thereabouts in terms of relegation, to be honest with you. I mean, as I say, I have come out strongly and said Norwich, Brentford and Palace at the start of this year. You know, I did. And I said, oh, it would be nice if Brentford, you know, stayed up and Newcastle maybe went down. I mean, obviously, I don't want anyone to go down, of course. You know, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, Newcastle are going to go down. You know, that'd be great. I'm just saying that they look like one of the worst teams in the league. So now, right now, you're thinking Norwich, you're thinking um, Burnley, and Newcastle probably. But Wolves will be there or thereabouts, and so and you know, as I say, Brentford, 
they 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 looked good against Wolves um, on Saturday. But it just depends if they can sustain it, and obviously that's going to be the problem with all of these teams, you know. But yeah, they look good, and it was a good game, and hopefully because there's a lot of teams of a similar level this year, there will be a lot of good games like this because which which could potentially be unpredictable. I mean, like you know, Wolves versus Brentford. Uh, Wolves versus Watford, you know, uh, Palace versus Newcastle. These games could be really good games because the teams are at a similar level. So hopefully, it'll be uh, it'll be it'll be an interesting league this season. But yeah, Brentford look good. Uh, they look well. They looked good at the weekend, and yeah, I just hope that they they do all right. You know, it'd be quite nice to see them do okay. But Wolves, I I think they, as I say, they're in for a tough year, especially because of the heights that they've been like accustomed to the last couple of years but you know we'll see anyway so yeah uh Burnley versus Arsenal Burnley lost 1-0 I know everyone's shocked like Arsenal actually won so yeah that was uh you know that was that was it was it was it was it wasn't great you know again like, I mean obviously Burnley they Maybe they're maybe you know maybe it's kind of done for them in in, in the sense that you know Sean Dyche has cut, has been there for a good few years and he gets them playing in a very organised way you know toss it up to the forwards um, and 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 you know get people in and around them as as quick as possible uh, it's it's not good to watch or all good at all but it it works for them and to an extent of course because you know they were quite close to getting relegated for well they were close to the bottom for a large part of last season but then they put a run together which you know I think it started with that Liverpool result you know when they beat Liverpool 1-0 last season at Anfield I think it was and uh, you know that that sort of sparked them back into life but you know Burnley I don't know if this might be their year you know where where they like kind of like get caught up and everyone sort of figures out how they play and actually stops them from doing it. But I, I back them to beat Arsenal because obviously it's the type of game that Arsenal do lose a lot of the time. You know, big physical team uh, putting in the tackles, getting in, you know, it, 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 it puts them off, you know, because Arsenal like to play in a very slick way. And maybe that's very cliched with, for, you know, because obviously Wenger had a lot of those criticisms. But, you know, Arsenal don't really seem to have any way to deal with it and you know that that type of um that type of team but you know they did well they they, they obviously won the game it took an Odegaard free kick and it was a really good free kick but um you know it was it was a nice uh it, it was it was a nice result for them and obviously they paid a lot of money for him and you know I, I the, the problem I have with Odegaard or the, them signing Odegaard is they've already got Smith Rowe and we've already said it before well, you know, they've got two fellas who are exactly the same there, in my opinion, and or very similar. And, you know, he needs to get them both in the team because they're both good players. So, you know, let's see. Let's see how he does it. But Arteta, the problem with him is that he just keeps keeps changing it all the time. But anyway, um, yeah, anyway, look, look let's, 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 let's move on because obviously I could talk about Arsenal being crap all day, but, like, you know, no, no one wants to hear that. So, um Anyway, look, Liverpool versus Palace, you know, Liverpool won 3-0. Um, Liverpool look good, you know. Uh, I've been saying all along that it's good, they're going to be third or fourth, and I still think they will, because I don't think they've got the depth 
like like Chelsea do. That like incidentally, Chelsea and Liverpool have had a completely identical start to the season. Um, you know they've they've had a two nil win. A three, uh, you know, and and then they've both won three nil today. They've only drawn one all with each other, so you know, and and the score lines have been completely identical as well. So that's quite an interesting thing. And and you know, no one's mentioning Liverpool as a title favourite, but I think that's because of the depth. You know, as I've, as we've said, Liverpool do not have a replacement for. You know, well, I mean, we we know that they don't have a replacement for Van Dijk, you know, because obviously of last season, you know. Van Dijk was out, and he, he seems like the key to how they play, because they didn't have a very good season last season. I'm not saying it's purely because he was out, but you know maybe maybe it's I mean obviously it was a huge part of why they didn't play well, and they and they didn't you know finish win the league. He is the difference for them, and if he stays fit, you know then they will do well, you know. But obviously, the the, the squad is thin. You know you, you can't let. Win Aldum go and not replace him or replace him with Harvey Elliott and unfortunately they've already had a terrible injury as well I mean Harvey Elliott we mentioned him last week I hope he gets well soon of course but uh, you know it's it's unfortunate that you know because if it happens to De Bruyne then City or Gundogan or you know so if it happens to a City midfielder then they just replace him with another top quality midfielder same with it well Chelsea haven't got as many as City in midfield, but you know, up front Chelsea have got you know they've got like two forward lines who could beat any team. So the same with City. City have the strongest, deepest squad, but Chelsea have a very good like an equally, an equally strong front line, and but it's just that their, their their numbers in midfield might be lacking. But with the, with Sol Nagez, it depends how he how he uh, takes to it, because he didn't look too good in parts against Villa. Um, but, you know, obviously it was his first game, and, you know, we'll see we'll see how he does. He, he's come with a big reputation, and, and, you know, obviously we've all seen him in the Champions League playing for Atletico Madrid. He looks like a good player. So if he can start, you know, finding form for Chelsea, then yes, they will probably be the favourites, because they'll have another midfield option. But I'm just using that as an example of Liverpool's lack of depth because, you know, Harvey Elliott's already injured. If Salah was to get injured like that, I mean, we don't even have to talk about injuries because Mane and Salah and Cater are all going to go to the African Cup of Nations, you know, in, in December, January time. Uh, sorry, January, February. So they're going to be missing for a month, potentially. So, you know, they are going to have to deal with that. And... You know, they haven't signed anyone. So it's going to be difficult for them to maintain this start. Don't get me wrong, they've been very good, but they will fade and they will they will fall off because of the pressures on the schedule, which you know still have not been in any way managed. Like the, the calendar is just horrendous. And you know, it's it's not got any better for them, and you know, it's uh, you know, for, for footballers in general. I mean, and it's just kind of like, you know, we're not gonna have like it would be great if Liverpool maintained a title challenge so that we had a three horse race, and well, maybe even a four horse race with Man United potentially. You know, improving with the with the signing of Ronaldo, wouldn't it be amazing to have a four, 
you know, a four-way title race, you know, for once, you know, for, in living memory. But, you know, because of because they haven't cancelled any competitions, Liverpool will suffer for that. I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not advocating for, you know, them not them not playing the F1 Cup of Nations, far from it. But what I'm saying is that, I don't know, you know, maybe eliminate the League Cup or something for one year. Or, you know, I, I, or, 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 be, or allow the Premier League teams to choose whether to play in the League Cup or even the FA Cup, you know. Because... I don't know. It just it just seems as though there's two. Like you know, the Euros over the summer means that they didn't have a break. A lot of them, and and they're just we're just we're just gonna eventually play them into the ground, and then all of a sudden we're just the football is not going to be as as good a standard. And we and we've been enjoying this season. It's been good. So you know, let's try and keep it as high a level as possible. But you know, there's been no changes to the calendar, as I say, and and. You know the the quality is going to suffer, and teams like Liverpool will suffer, and you know other teams as well. I mean, like you know, there's there's some teams down at the bottom who will lose players, key players, and then all of a sudden their relegation fight is a lot tougher. And is is, is it fair? I don't, I don't know. I, well, obviously not. But you know, at, at the end of the day, it's been like that for many years. So I suppose you can't complain about it now. But because of COVID, I would have thought that maybe they could have potentially done away with some club competitions so that then people could still go and represent their country and it wouldn't be so much of a burden on the clubs but anyway we'll we'll see well no we won't see they haven't done it so <laughs> no use complaining about it anyway but palace right you know obviously right again palace fans have got to apologize as soon as i praised you you played like shite so you know but obviously it's very tough to go to anfield so you know of course like we can forgive you but um yeah, it's like you know, Palace. Are, Palace is gonna be okay because you know, I, I know I was really harsh on them the first few weeks, but they did go and batter Spurs. But Spurs do look shit, so you know, Palace they shouldn't get relegated, but they won't get. They won't finish. You know, they're not gonna. Well, you know, they they, they might do. I mean, it's a surprise. Like the thing is, there will be a surprise, and Palace. You know. Let's see if they're going to be like one of us, one of these like streaky teams like Man United are, you know, where they play amazing one week and then, you know, get battered the next. But again, it was against Liverpool at Anfield, so we can forgive them. But I think they're going to be okay, and you know, which is a massive change of tune from the first few weeks. And I do, I know, I apologize. I'm not trying to be one of those knee jerk pundits, but uh, you know, I think Palace have uh, got it together a lot quicker than I thought they would. I thought under Vieira it would take at least a few months to start playing the way they do because of the quality of player they have at Palace. You know, it's not... Like, at the end of the day, it's very easy to for Guardiola to go into places like City and Bayern Munich and Barcelona and go, listen, I want you to play like this, bang, 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 boom, boom, boom. You know, when you've got Xavi and Iniesta, when you've got, you know, uh, Philip Lahm and, you know, some of the best players to ever do it, and then you've got De Bruyne and Gundogan and Mares and Foden and Aguero. And it's like, okay, yeah, of course they play good football. You know, he's done it very quickly. He's implemented it very quickly there because they're good players. So, you know, I thought it would take a lot, lot longer for Palace. But, you know, they looked... Looked as they were starting to get it against uh, Tottenham. Liverpool obviously battered them. But, you know, we'll see, we'll see what, what the future holds for Palace. I think they'll be they'll be quite a decent watch, I think, you know. Um, so, quite interesting to, to, to have them on. And they're, they're playing Brighton next, who are... They're, they're, they're great. Uh, I like Brighton. <laughs> but anyway, look, we'll talk about them later because we've got the big game coming up next. City versus Southampton. 
Now, obviously, nil-nil, you know, doesn't seem like a big game on the face of it. But it, this was this was really crazy, this game. Like, you know, it was the uh, first time that City haven't had a shot on target under Guardiola, I do believe. Um, which is, you know, crazy. I mean, Southampton are obviously, they're, they've not had a good start at all. And in fact, they've not won yet. One, one of only five teams to not have won. So, you know, you thought this is gonna be this is gonna be a mauling, but City didn't look on it at all, and Southampton did all right. You know, they they were okay, but the big thing about this one was the VAR, the VAR decision, and of course Guardiola's comments before the game. But we'll talk about that after we've talked about the football. But yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on with VAR anymore. I'm sorry to say. I think it has become too much of a distraction. Uh, even with all these, you know, changes and, uh, you know, trying to streamline the process and making the lines thicker so there's more less offsides, so there's more goals. Like, you know, and changing the handball rule for the umpteenth time. Like, it's, it's just getting a little bit stupid. I mean, surely, surely we can just have a system where it is done the same every time, where it is consistent. It's the richest sport in the fucking world. It's the most popular one in the world. Why can't we just have a system where everyone knows where they stand? Why was it so rushed, the implementation of VAR? It feels as though it's just been an afterthought. They've gone, oh, well, we need to do video technology. Oh, okay, well, I don't know. Let's just fucking have the fella look at a cheap, shitty monitor at the side of the pitch. And only only when he's called over though, because you know, like, I I just it just makes a mockery of it. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, the decision we're talking about, I don't know if you saw it. I think you should YouTube it or Google it if you if you haven't, because it's fucking ridiculous, right? So Armstrong's going through on goal. Kyle Walker comes in from the side, takes him out, doesn't get the ball, takes him out, and he gets sent off, and a penalty's given for that, right? By the, by the referee, the on the, the on field referee, the VAR then calls him over to the monitor to review his decision, and everyone can see it's slowed down and it's exactly what he thought. Kyle Walker came in from the side, didn't get anywhere near the ball, and brought the player down, and somehow this referee changed his mind, rescinded the red card, and 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 the penalty. I, I I was like I just could not believe it. I was like I, what, and worse still, I I still have not read an explanation as to why. Now, obviously, maybe I'm not looking hard enough on like Twitter, but as far as far as I know, there's been no explanation as to why that was why that decision was reached, which which is baffling. So, you know, it it adds further doubt and further confusion to this already completely ridiculous process. Now, I was obviously for it when, when it came in, because, yeah, whatever. But I was only for it for offsides. I was never for it for, you know, red cards and decisions like this, because they are at the, at, at the heart of it. It is subjective. It is Every decision you make on a football pitch as a referee is subjective. There is no yes or no answer other than offsides, other than did it cross the line, you know, other than handball if you want to go completely 
crazy with handball and say if at any time it touches your hand, it is handball. You know, maybe they could do that because then at least it would be consistent. So it doesn't matter about the context. doesn't matter if your arm is in an unnatural position, whatever that means. You know, then at least we'd have some consistency. Every time it hits your hand and you're not and you're not the bloody goalkeeper, boom, it's a free kick slash penalty, whatever. But no, they've gone. Well, actually, what we'll do is if you blast it at his hand, it's not handball. But if his hands above his waist or you know if it's an unnatural position, then fine. If he's a bit close, then no. But if he's a bit further away, then yeah. And it's just like hold on, what the fuck? So let's just have no rule about it then. Let's just say right. Let's let it be subjective, but let's the let let's let the referee review it on the monitor so he can slow it down and so then he can you know fine. But that's not what they're saying, is it? They're saying okay, if it meets this criteria, then it's this for handball. We're not talking about handball decision. It's just it's just fucking annoying. It's just like I don't know. Just VAR is just anyway. So yeah, this red card again as well. Like you know. The handball rule is one thing, which you could definitely, you could definitely make it a consistent process. Because you, you could just say every handball is a handball. Uh, you know, every, every time it hits your arm, it's a handball, no matter what the context. Then at least we would have some consistency. But for these decisions, it seems as though we're getting further and further away from consistency. Because, like, as I say, I cannot see on any replay that I've seen, and I've watched it a lot of times that Kyle Walker got anywhere near the ball and that there was any justification to change that decision. I cannot see it myself. If you t- if you can, then please get in touch, you know. But I, I seriously can't see it and it's just it's just very frustrating. Anyway, so City obviously should have lost that game or certainly should have been conceded a penalty and played most of it and played a lot of the game with 10 men. But they didn't. So, you know, they got away with a draw. Well done, City. So, yeah, so I just, yeah, it's just frustrating. Anyway, uh, let's go on to quickly Norwich versus Watford's. A couple of relegation fodder teams here. You know, uh, Norwich lost 3-1 at home to Watford. Uh, It's just getting sad. You know, five games, we're five games in, so it doesn't really show, like, you know, patterns yet, I suppose. You know, that you can't really extrapolate the... um, you know, you can't really see any sort of patterns. However, with this Norwich team, they are going to lose most of their games. Like, because there's just, there's nothing there. It seems as though they're just getting bullied and outthought, out outpaced, outrun. You know, they haven't got anything. Because he wants to play in a very certain way, Daniel Farke, which is fine, you know. This like pass and move, this attacking football, possession based, and that's fine in the championship. But this is the second crack now, you know, for Norwich in the Premier League with the same manager and pretty much the same squad. And you know, yes, it was unfortunate that they lost Buendia. You know, they they had to sell him for thirty million, like too good an offer to turn down. But. You've got to you've got to adapt and you've got to cope without him. And really, he was he was very creative for them. It, it, a lot of their goals went through him in the championship. And so when you don't have him, 
you've got to sort of do it different, surely, surely. But yeah, it's... Uh, anyway, it's just getting a little bit sad and a little bit... I feel sorry for them because, you know, they, they, they're not going to get any sort of like record low points or anything, I hope. <laughs> but, you know, they they do look in danger of, of getting cut adrift very, very early this year. So, you know, I hope that they can do okay because they, you know, I like some of their players. I'd say Pookie and Campwell, I quite like them, you know. They got some, you know, the, the, um, the lad Brandon Williams is there on loan from United. So, you know, I hope they do all right. But they're definitely going to finish bottom of the league. Uh, and, you know, we'll just, we'll just see what happens with them. Anyway, Watford, uh, you know, you know, they they've 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 done okay. They've they've had a couple of good wins. Uh, you know, they're they're up to eleventh, you know, as I say though, you know, we're only five games in, but they're doing alright. So, you know, I think that they will get relegated. Uh but then again I've said that about seven teams, haven't I? You know, so I think they're gonna be down there anyway, let's put it that way. So, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens though. But you know Watford they've got you know, Saar, who's a very good player, uh, you know, linked to Liverpool heavily probably will get that move eventually I, I feel um, because I think Liverpool do need to strengthen those areas as well but not strengthen I mean they've got three of the best players in the world up, up front but uh, you know they, they probably need some depth I think for sure anyway um, but yeah they, it's, it's interesting like, I think I think Watford they, they, they will struggle this year but you know we'll see like uh, anyway um one result, though, one good result against the Norwich side that looks as though it's going to get battered every week does not make them um, a good team. And, you know, they are going to struggle. And, yeah, I think that they, they could be in trouble. But, you know, as I say, I've said that about five teams. So, you know, it could be... They they, they might be one of the lucky ones that finishes, like, you know, 16th, like a, a goal above the relegation zone or something. I don't know. Um, Villa versus Everton. Villa won 3-0. Uh, bloody love Villa like, <laughs> I said this last week I fucking love them like, they are just really fun to watch I like Dean Smith he's got got them playing well like, especially e- even without Grealish you know obviously I thought that they might struggle without Grealish but they bought really well you know they only let Grealish leave after they'd made sure they got re- reinforcements in they did it you know by the book they did it brilliantly the, this summer you know they, they got Buendia as we've said they got Danny Ings, they got uh, Leon Bailey. Those three were the main ones, really. And they've essentially replaced their whole attack and sold one fella. And, you know, they did fantastic business. Like, and so, and Bailey, you know, we said last week on the chat that, you know, when he comes good, he'll be quite good. He's coming with a big reputation. Well, he came good against Everton. He looked fucking brilliant. And he tore him apart, quite frankly. And he'll be a big player for them this year. I think he'll be really good. And Danny Ings as well, you know, he'll score goals. And Traore will chip in as well. Ollie Watkins is, is a good fella. He's a good player, I think. Really clever. Good touch. I think he's a good player. And I think they've got a lot of good players in that, in that squad, Villa. And so I think that they'll be they'll be doing well, for sure. Um, same with Everton. You know, I think Everton have brought sent, bought sensibly. Um, you know, they're not... Look, they've surprised me a little bit. I've I've had a bit of a go at Everton, you know, for being boring because of Benitez and because of his, of his reputation. But it's been it's been good, you know. It's been good from them so far. Um, strange that they can't try and play Hamez at all. I think that it sounds as though Hamez is going to go. You know, in the next few weeks, apparently he's going to go to. Um, 
think it, it, it was the Middle East anyway. He's going to go somewhere like uh, there. I think. Um, I think. I think he's 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 about to be sold, which which is a bit of a shame because he's not had a single like game under Benitez. But you know, maybe he's made it clear that he doesn't want to play for Everton anymore without Ancelotti there, and it seemed like a convenient move for him. You know, at the time when when Ancelotti was there, he likes Ancelotti. You know, I don't know. It just seems as though it was a bit of a strange thing. But yeah, Everton. Damari Gray looks good though. Like, he looks like a good player. Um, I always liked him at Leicester, and I thought he was good uh, when, he, when he was playing for Leicester. But uh, yeah, it looks it looks it looks fine for Everton. I think again we've asked this question though. You know, would Everton finishing sixth represent or seventh? You know, represent any sort of progress, or would it be backwards? Because surely, surely Everton. I mean, maybe they missed their chance because honestly, like. Last couple of seasons was the time when you wanted to be finishing, when you could have finished fourth, you know, for, for as as an outsider from the top four. Because United, you know, they've been in transition for about three years now. Well, seven years, really, let's be honest, since Ferguson left. So, you know, you've got to just ask yourself, is it, you know, if not now, when? And that was the question she asked last year. And so really, you know, United have gone out and bought, you know, bloody Ronaldo, Sancho and, and Varane. You're not going to catch them. You know, Liverpool, are Everton going to finish above Liverpool? No, they're not. Simple as that. So, you know, where do you go from there? You know, if you finish, if, if Everton finished fifth or sixth, fine. Benitez again of the year, great, whatever. You know, fans may be happy. But I don't think so, really. I mean, if I was an Everton fan, then again, it's easy to say that. But honestly, it just feels as though it's kind of like, well, when are they going to make some progress and when are they going to start hauling these teams down and actually finishing above them? And it feels as though they just won't do it because it just feels as though it's very... They're always nearly there. You know, they're always like, oh, yeah, we've put it... You know, because they started really well last year as well. Let's not, let's not forget that people were talking... Like, pundits would say that Everton could win the bloody league under Ancelotti when they'd won, like, five out of six games at the start of last season or something. And they were top of the league for one week. You know, it's mad the knee jerk reactions to it. But, you know, I, ju- I just like, if they don't do it, if they don't fit, finish in the top four that year, you know, when they had Ancelotti, when they had Hammers playing well, when United looked shite, and when Liverpool, you know, when, when they were without Van Dijk for the whole season, and, 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 and also. Spurs were having a lot of trouble as well with Mourinho. Chelsea didn't look half as good as they do now. You know, maybe they missed their chance. And, you know, it's a bit of a shame for Everton because they're definitely not going to finish in the top four this year. So, but, you know, they're solid. They're obviously not going to get relegated. They're not going to finish. They're, they're, going to pro- they're probably going to finish, like, sixth or seventh. I mean, Leicester, as well, are having some real trouble this year. So they could even finish fifth. You know, at the end of the day, I would say right now, Everton are probably looking as like the fifth strongest team in this, apart from Brighton, of course. You know, Brighton look fucking great. So let's have a get word about Brighton. Brighton versus Leicester. They won two one, uh, and you know, some 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 good play again. You know, I mean that that Graham Potter man. Honestly, I cannot say uh, any like enough about him. He's he's he looks like a brilliant manager, like a brilliant tactician. He's got them playing so well. He's honestly. This year, Brighton will finish in the top half, which would be fantastic for them because they were nearly relegated last year, or they were, you know, on the brink of relegation last year, or certainly fighting it. 
And this year they'll get a top half finish. I'm, I'm sure of it because they are looking amazing. Like I know that we've already said it's only five games in, but you know they just look confident and they look as though they're playing the way he wants them to play. And they've got some good players, as I say, you know, Danny Welbeck scored, Neil Malpe, Trossard got the assist, you know, for, for Welbeck. They got Lana as well, who's a good player. They got some uh, they got some good defenders. You know, it's it's fine. And and for Brighton, and I think they're gonna do well. Uh and he'll, you know, when they finish like eighth or something, Potter will then leave probably for the Spurs job, I would think, to be honest with you. I think that'll happen. Because Spurs shite like absolute shite anyway um but yeah Leicester you know so obviously Leicester lost to Brighton uh as we've just said um yeah what's going on with Leicester like they, they don't look very good at the start of this season like you know I think it's you know I think we're trying to reinforce the point that it's early days you know but um they just look really poor and really tired and really like lost I mean Jamie Vardy did hardly get a kick every game and yeah, just uh, just I think I think Rogers does this with teams, though, doesn't he? You know, he get he's there for a few years, takes them as far as he can, and then you've either got a back. I mean, and they have backed him though; they really have. I mean, because they they bought a lot of players this year, but this summer spent a bit of money. But um, it just I don't know. It just feels as though like Rogers maybe he's run out of like, ideas with this squad. I don't know. But yeah, they um I don't know, I mean like look, Leicester, they could I wouldn't be surprised if they finished in the bottom half of the table or if they finish like, you know, they could the way they're playing now, that that they'll finish in the bottom half. Uh probably about twelfth or something, or like eleventh or twelfth. That's where they are now. They're twelfth. They've only they've won two games, lost three. You know, they they've it's just yeah, I think that maybe they need a bit of a change up at Leicester. Because like as as we said, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago maybe that you know finishing fifth twice in a row, when you definitely should have finished fourth both times, will take it out of you, and it will really question whether you can go on and whether you can actually deliver it this year. You know, third third times charm. I don't know, don't know about that. Like you know, not with this squad, not with this team. They just look jaded, and they just look as though they can't get themselves up for it and then not up for it but anyway you know we'll see you know we'll see what happens but I, as I say I think Leicester could could be in trouble this year but if Rogers wants to stay then he can because you know at the end of the day I think he's done a good job there and I think Leicester really like him because he could go to any of the not none of the big clubs but he could go to like Spurs or he could go to well Spurs really or Arsenal you know, if if Arteta were to leave, then you know Rogers would get the Arsenal job. I would think, or he'd definitely be in line for it. You know, he'd be he'd be he'd be a candidate for sure because I think I think he's well liked in the league. And um, yeah, I just, but uh, so Leicester would do well to hang on to them. They so they think, and I think that um, they'll they'll do everything they can to hang on to him, even if they were to get a bottom half finish. Anyway, right, and then the second biggest game of the week. Well, actually, no, this is probably the most controversial game of the week. West Ham versus Manchester United. United winning 2-1 at West Ham. Crazy, crazy game. Honestly, it was, uh, 
yeah, it was it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous game. Um, so West Ham went one 0 up, of course, because you know it's United away from home. They always concede first because they always have to come back. And uh, you know West Ham looked looked decent. You know they looked they looked, they looked as though they were going to fucking batter them. Must admit, like you know United didn't look as though they could get a foothold in the game. And when West Ham scored, you kind of felt that was the turning point for Man United. Like it felt as though that they almost needed that to go behind to then start playing well. Because, you know, before West Ham scored, West Ham looked as though they were going to, you know, as I say, like, you know, kind of run away with it. Um, but they just couldn't get that first goal. But then when they did get the first goal, it kicked United into gear. Sorry, Manchester United. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, you know, strange. It's such a strange thing. But, you know, um, so... Yeah, so West Ham took the lead, you know, uh, Ben Rama, ridiculously horrible deflection. Uh, and it was, you know, it just it's a sort of flew past De Gea. Uh, and then, you know, it only took five minutes, though, for, you know, United to equalise and Ronaldo got the goal, like he does, you know, just scores all the time. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's just, just madness. So, yeah, he... he he had a shot again, and the keeper saved it. And it came out, and he just—he was so quick to sort of react to it. Um, but yeah, and then United was sort of—I don't know—it was like quite—it was quite ponderous from United after that in the second half, and it just sort of felt as though it was going to sort of peter out into nothing. Uh, United should have had two penalties, I think. You know, and this is where the problems come with the VAR. You know, you can't then. You can't turn around and say that that, especially the third one on Ronaldo, the third supposed foul, but really that it was a definite penalty. This is the issue. He's, I know he's going down as the contact comes in. But if you think about it like this, if you're running at full pelt and then somebody chops you, like, you know, kicks you down, that is going to hurt much more. <laughs> that is going to potentially really hurt you and injure you for a, for a good while. So if you can see that coming, why is it a problem to then sort of fall into the contact or try and, you know, pull your leg away but still fall over? How is that a problem? It's not necessarily a dive. I'm not saying diving is okay. What I am saying is that you know, letting yourself fall before the contact comes is just about managing your own body. Like it's 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 de it's it's mitigating any sort of potential injury or any sort of potential impact that you're going to get, which could hurt. You know, we see Bale jump over tackles and then fall and then fall. Is that not still a foul? Because you know, yes, the guy's not touched him, but he's impeded his progress. So, you know, where do you draw the line? It was a definite penalty on Ronaldo, even though he was falling down, because the guy still took his legs out. So, yes, he was still on his way down before the impact, but that's purely so he doesn't get his legs completely chopped out and potentially broken. You know... That that surely has to be allowed. 
you don't have to have a fucking injury or a bruise or a fucking scratch on your leg to get a free kick, surely? You know, it's it's a fucking foul still. The guy took him out, essentially. Anyway, I think I just think it's ridiculous that, you know, VAR supposedly checked it for like a second and then went, right, yeah, it's not a penalty. And that can happen to anyone, by the way. Like, I'm not saying it because, oh, yeah, you know, because it's Man United. Because we all know if you've been listening to this for the last few weeks and I'm not a Man United fan anymore. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, you know, they give that as not a foul. They give Kyle Walker's as a foul, but then change their mind. And then they give, you know, the handball, which, yes, it was a penalty, all right? West Ham's was a penalty, but we'll get on to that in a second because, you know, just quickly mention that, obviously, Lingard then had, had come on and scored an absolute worldy goal. Like, it was a fucking good goal, man. That, that was a really good goal. Um, Matic, the football terrorist, came on and passed him the ball. Um... And yeah, it was a, it was a good, it it was a good finish, you know, definitely. Um, and then, and then, you know, you thought, okay, it's over now. Then West Ham went up the other end, and got a penalty. And uh, you know, I don't know who it was who crossed it, but Luke Shaw. You know, it, it was it was essentially like Ben Davis. You know, when he said, well, you know, against Palace. You know, it was essentially the same handball. You know, Shaw put his arm out, hit his arm, and he was about five yards from the fella. So you know, it's enough time to get your arm out of the way. You know, in in the referee's opinion. So yeah, it's 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 a handball, and you know, it's a penalty. And it was just fucking hilarious after that, wasn't it? Like you know, it's not the NFL noise. Don't bring someone on for one kick of the game. You know. He could, like, Mark Noble comes on, you know, absolute dickhead Mark Noble, you know, the fella who, you know, when, when someone's complaining to the referee, he picks them up, you know, just so, just so then he can like, have the crowd cheer for him, you know, all for the crowd, Mark Noble, oh yeah, he's an hammer through and through, well, you know what, it was fucking brilliant that he missed that penalty. It was absolutely fucking hilarious, and it couldn't have been better unless unless Declan Rice had given him the captain's armband just before it. That would have made it sweeter than sweet. But honestly, it was fucking hilarious. He steps up, puffing out his chest, and like, right, I'm Mark Noble, I'm fucking great. And then he, it was the one of the worst. Like it was a shit penalty. It was in the middle of the fucking goal, pretty much. Like two De Gea's left, and it was it was shite. And you know, I'm look, I. I was glad that De Gea said it, not because I'm a United fan, as I say, I keep reiterating that, but because it was fucking hilarious. Like, and Mark Noble is a prick, and I'm glad that he missed that penalty, and it was fucking brilliant. And then Moyes, obviously, being an ex-United manager, it was fucking hilarious. So, you know, 2-1, two, two, two uh, United, and, but, you know, more, more VAR controversies, more problems more issues but yeah that was that was hilarious that was probably the highlight of the week for uh, every football fan who's not a West Ham fan because you know everyone who outside West Ham doesn't like Mark Noble and thinks he's shite and you know that's why he hasn't got any England caps because he is poor but West Ham fans think he's great but he's not so there you go anyway 
Talk about the last game quickly, Spurs versus Chelsea. Uh, you know, obviously this was billed as the biggest game of the weekend. Turned out to be fucking dross, honestly. Like, I mean, Spurs, we, you know what you're going to get from Spurs? Nothing. Absolute shite under this, under this manager. We know that. So they lost 3-0 at home. And, you know, where are you, Harry Kane? You don't fuck all since you since you recommitted to Tottenham. You know, sounds as though you're still sulking to me. But, you know, whatever. Like, he just doesn't look the same player at all. You know, they try and get it to, to Kane and Son. And he sets up in the most ridiculous way. You know, 4-3-2-1. Like, very defensive. And, you know, again, when you're playing Chelsea, then, yeah. Chelsea have had a great start and they look good. But it was just it was just dire. Like, honestly, it was really bad from, from Spurs. They looked poor. Um, yeah, I mean, they had, the, like, the first 10 minutes. I mean, Chelsea didn't get going until until half-time, to be fair. Because, you know, until the second half, sorry, you know, because it was just it was just poor from both sides. You know, Tottenham had a few decent chances in the first 10, 15 minutes. Didn't score, and they needed to score, and that's what the, this that's what the last two managers have wanted to do. They want to get in front, protect the lead, and then try and hit on the break. That's what Mourinho loves to do, and this is what clearly Nuno looks as though he wants to do. So, I guess, especially against the big teams. So, you know, Tottenham didn't score, and as soon as it got to half-time, and I heard that Mason Mount was coming off, and that they were completely reshuffling Chelsea, because they have the squad to do that, and because the tactician, the manager, Tuchel, is phenomenal. He's the best manager in the league, best manager in the world. He's phenomenal. He looks so clever with all his, you know, with all his tinkering. It's fantastic. So, he takes Mount off, who, by the way, we've already mentioned, isn't as good as everyone thinks. And they looked so much better. And they obviously just battered Tottenham in the second half. Like, you know, two quick goals and then a third one right at the right at the end of the game. Really good from Chelsea. Um, they're my pick to win the league. I keep saying it every week. I'll say it until they win the league. Um, they will win it. Spurs, if they keep playing like that, because obviously they won their first three games. So, you know, obviously it was kind of a false sense of security. Everyone thought, oh yeah, Spurs look, Spurs are doing all right. No. They they won three games 1-0 against shite teams. You know, well, apart from against City, of course, you know. But that was the opening weekend, you know, and uh, these things happen. But Spurs just don't look particularly good. You know, yes, it is early. But I would be surprised if Nuno lasted the season. I think if they find themselves playing this way come December and the results are still similar, it'll, it'll be gone, I think. Which is actually, you know, incidentally, we haven't talked about the sack race, have we? Um, you know, so who's going to be first to get sacked? Well, it'll either be, as I say, Nuno or the Norwich manager. It depends what the fans you know, it depends. It depends on what the Norwich board want. You know, if 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 they're happy to get relegated again, then fine. But you know, if if they're not, or then then it then it could then you know he could he could he could be the first one to go, especially if they go on another five game losing streak. So yeah, so I think that's probably you know. So it's actually you know I'm going to put another third name in the hat, and uh, Arteta could well be. You know, but they're but they're they're lofty heights of thirteenth now, Arsenal. So you know, maybe maybe they're on the up. Who knows? Uh, quick mention, actually, someone wanted to me to uh, talk about Man United a little bit, just about the lineup. 
and you know where Solskjaer kind of goes from here. Um, you know, honestly, I think that United needed to sign a midfielder in order to play the four one two three. Well, you know, four three three, as it used to be called. So you know, the lineup ideally would be you know De Gea slash Henderson, but De Gea preferably you know, uh, Wambasaka, Luke Shaw at fullbacks, and then Varane, Maguire, and then you got to choose one. I think you got to choose one of Fred, McTominay, Matic, not Matic though because you know, football terrorist. Um, so yeah, one of Fred or McTominay. Or Van der Beek, but not Van, you know, he, he doesn't trust him, so there's no point in even mentioning him. Then it means you can play Pogba and Fernandez together ahead of that, which then means you can play the three of, uh, you know, a combination of Sancho slash Rashford slash Martial slash Greenwood on either wing and Cavani slash Ronaldo, but mainly Ronaldo up front. <coughs> that is the team. And so they shouldn't have signed Ronaldo and they should have signed the midfielder. And then I'd still be able to be a fan. Well, to an extent. I mean, after last week, it was kind of makes you sick, doesn't it? But anyway. Um, yeah, that would be my last. So, so really, the only fellow who can do that is probably Fred. <coughs> Sorry. But he's not good enough. We've, we've seen that he's not good enough. And we've seen that McTominay's not good enough. So where does Solskjaer go from here? He has to play what he played against West Ham. 4-2-3-1. And, so, and he wants Pogba in the team, but he doesn't trust him in the two. doesn't trust him in the double pivot. So it's going to be McTominay and Fred in the middle, and it's going to be Pogba on the left. And so it's going to be a combination, especially when Rashford is fit next month as well. It's going to be one of Sancho, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood on the right wing. Now, and then Ronaldo up front. That is bonkers. Because he's got, you know, he's got four fellas there who could all legitimately play. Maybe not Martial, because he, lo he looks as though he's kind of done at United, to be honest with you. He's, he's had a bit too long. So, where does he go from here? He goes out and fucking gets a midfielder in January if he's still there. That's what I think he should do. But anyway, that won't happen. So, they want Declan Rice. That's not a secret. And that would be a good signing, because if they sign Declan Rice then you can drop McTominay and Fred. That's the key. The midfield is the key. You need Pogba in there, but not giving him any defensive responsibility. So you need someone like Kante, because, oh, why doesn't he play for United like he plays for France? You know, he's so good for France, Paul Pogba. Yeah, because he's got the best midfielder in the world behind him in N'Golo Kante, who does all of the work and who does all of the defensive jobs. So, you know... That's why he doesn't play for United, because he's got fucking Scott McTominay and Fred behind him, and he goes, oh, shit. We're fucked. So, yeah. That's my preferred... My preferred lineup would be that they just gave Van der Beek and Pogba a chance at the pivot, and they just said... And he just said, listen, Pogba, just do whatever the fuck you want, and Van der Beek as well. But, you know, you know, just uh, get back. But the thing is, as well, why go out and sign Varane if you don't trust... You know, if you still have to play a double pivot, what's the point in signing like a defender, a world-class defender like Varane? Because, you know, surely he's going to give you some defensive cover. 
you know, we've already said, haven't we, that you know you're going to see a lot more of Maguire going into the midfield to nick the ball higher up the pitch, so that and then because he's got trust in Varane, because Varane's obviously very quick to be able to cover if it gets nicked past him. So if he's if he's left higher up the pitch, and we've seen that, and it, and it, and and you know, so why can't they just trust that and then play one fella in the pivot, play one defensive midfielder? Because when you play one of them out of Fred and McTominay. You may as well play nobody there. That's the problem. Because really, them two together can barely do the job of one good defensive midfielder. And that's the fucking problem. Anyway, it's too it's too fucking depressing, quite frankly. So look, just wanted to quickly mention as well, so that's the football for this week. You know, I thought it was going to be a bit shorter, but actually it turns out to be average length. Uh, quick word on Guardiola, though, this little prick. Guardiola like, was like, you know, after the Champions League, he was like, oh, you know, I hope the fans, you know, I hope there's more fans for the Southampton game. And, you know, the, the, the Manchester City supporters trust, head of the supporters trust or something, you know, had a massive go at him and he said, oh, it's very disappointing that Guardiola said this. And it's like, yeah, it, it, it was just pretty funny. I mean, like, at the end of the day, Guardiola can complain all he wants. And then Guardiola had the audacity to go, oh, well, you know, if I'm a problem for the fans, I'll step aside. And it's like, no one's saying that, you dickhead. And no, you won't. So why would you even say that? Like, it's so pretentious of him. I just think he's, oh, I think he's a knobhead. Like, at the end of the day, he's not a nice person, is he, Guardiola? Let's be honest. And he knows he's got the media in his pocket. The media fucking love him. And they, you know, and it just it just frustrates me that, like, you know, I think the guy that, you know, the head of the Sports Trust was making some very legitimate and good points. At the end of the day, we've been through a pandemic. Some people can't get to out on a Wednesday night at eight o'clock. You know, it's a school night. <laughs> like, you know, not everyone can go. Now, obviously, there have been legitimate concerns about City's attendance for a long time. Because no one goes to the fucking games. So I think it's that's hilarious as well. Like at the end of the day, they used to they did deals two for one. Uh you know, they did student discounts on, on city tickets and they do um yeah, they do all they've done all sorts of deals to try and fill the stadium, but no one no one goes. And it was it was just hilarious that against Southampton on Saturday, they had thousands of empty seats. Like, oh well, nah, thousands is a bit harsh, but hundreds that were they were noticeable empty seats. And, you know, that was the first question you got asked. Not about the VAR ridiculousness, it was about the fucking attendance. And that's you know, he's built his own narrative there, hasn't he? You know, City played shit. First question, not Oh, Pep, what the fuck were you doing today? It was, oh, so, what do you think of the fans? <laughs> Let's have a laugh and a joke. Fuck off. Like, honestly, it pisses me off. But yeah, I think it's just uh, Guardiola, you know, he, sh- he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be questioning the fans, but, you know, at the end of the day, they, sh- they should be, they should be, oh, I don't know. I mean, why don't City, if it's becoming this big, an e- big of an issue, for Guardiola and for the management and, and for the owners of the club because, you know, apparently there was a story as well like, um, on Twitter that uh, the owners are actually quite um, aware of it and that they don't want to cause any embarrassment for the club. You know, they, they don't want this issue to cause any embarrassment. So, you know, why not just pay people to turn up then? If you're that asked, I mean, you know, the football doesn't matter to them, does it? You know, at the end of the day... City, the football club, their tool 
is 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 a good tool for them. So why not just like, you know, they they're not asked. So why not just pay some people to turn up? I don't know. Just uh, I just think it it was just a bit of a ridiculous issue that got sort of turned into a bit of a bit of a joke. You know, because Guardiola was like used it as a bit of a deflection tactic for when for when his team played shit. So, anyway, you know, it's nice to have the fans back, but it's not a fucking obligation. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you don't want to go to the game, don't go to the game. But like, you know, I think I think that you know, if if Guardiola's complaining, if it's that big a deal for him, then why not make the t- tickets cheaper as well? You know, he can lobby the board to make the tickets cheaper if he wanted. But no, he's not that arsed. It's just a soundbite for him. Anyway, you know, that is it from me. Uh, it's been a bit more of a, you know, just a talky, more informative one. Sorry sorry about the lack of jokes. Apologies. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we will get back to joking next week. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm going to try and record. So it's Champions League again next week, so I'm going to record on Thursday. Hopefully, there's no fucking ridiculousness with the uh, you know the upload. Like, it was a bit late this, this week, so I'm sorry about that. I'm going to try and get this one uploaded as soon as I can. So yeah, so I think that's what the pattern's going to be. You know, When it's Champions League, we're going to do Thursday nights, and when it's not Champions League, we're going to hopefully do Monday nights if there's no Monday night football, but potentially Tuesday slash Wednesday nights. So, you know, hopefully we can get a little bit of a consistency with it anyway um i'm back to the old recording though so hopefully it will help recording methods so hopefully it will be successful in getting out to you soon anyway uh i will speak to you next week all right take it easy